action. A warm welcome to Disky Talk with Liolo. To those of you who are new to the family, please don't forget to subscribe and hit the notification bell button. To those who have been a part of the journey, I hope you enjoy this episode. And also, we're available on all audio streaming platforms. So, on today's episode, we discuss all things tactical talk, Copa America versus Euro 2020. And as always, I am your host with the most, and I go by the name of Luyolo. And on this week's episode, I am joined by a man who knows his football very well. He goes by the name of Dibuo. How are you doing, coach? I'm very good, brother. How are you? All is well, yeah, all yeah, is yeah. well, all is well, all is well. So let's get straight into it. Um, we do know that uh, the Copa America and the Euro 2020 are currently being contested. And we've seen a plethora of inf- uh, formations rather being used. So the first question I have for you is, what do you make of the evolution of formations over the years? Yeah, um, it's been fantastic to see um, the change in, in structure and formations over the years. Um, we know that in the past we had you know, a static back four, and then you'd have the four in midfield and the two strikers, and, and, and that was the 4 for 2 and that was it. Um, and, you know, when you, when you then analyze the, the Dutch and how they changed football, um, and when now we speak of total football, where um, it's about the roles on the pitch and the responsibilities of the players on the pitch. And I feel that has influenced the game, um, you know, very much. Uh, when you look at Arrigo Saki um, and the Catenacho um, and the movement of, of, of the ball, where if the left back is covering, you know, a space in midfield, then we have a shift, you know, you have a sort of like a shift in the defense. You know, yeah. to, to, to cover him. So yeah. the evolution of, of formations, I believe, has, has been um, is sort of on the basis of training methods um, that have changed over the years. Um, the ball is much faster. Yeah. Um, the, the, in terms of the, the training of the physique of the players is much different. The endurance levels um, and the demand on the game is very much different now. And, and that's why you have this this sort of different structure and, and, and changes in the formation. So it, it, it has really been interesting to see the influence of German football um, within that and, and different school, school of thoughts that have really contributed to, to the change in football. Um, um, so it's really interesting to see. And now we have modern football um, where you have a lot of moving pieces and um, one player is no longer just occupying their position. They can filter in through many positions, you know, on, on, on a certain game. Teams can play different formations in, in one given game. So it's been really interesting to see. Um, and, and with people like us, you know, technocrats, yeah. um, who have really, who really study, study the game on a really uh, intricate level. Um, and we see, we see these things and how they help teams, you know, to, to create chances because that's what, that's what soccer is about. Um, we're also entertain- there's also the entertainment factor yeah. and I think soccer throughout the years um, has really evolved in terms of it giving that uh, entertainment because it is a stage yeah. you know? and, and so yeah I, I, love, I love what I see right now in football yeah. um, and, and just looking at the developments it's, it's been great to see Yeah, and I love the fact that you, you mentioned the Dutch because mm. um, one of the pioneers when it comes to thinking outside of the box and coming up with um, some of the most um, idiosyncratic but yet yeah. creative formations <laughs> is um, the late great Johan Grave. And um, another thing is that 
as much as formations have evolved over the years, mm. but the number of players that you have on the field is still 10. Of course. You know, course. that hasn't changed. And I also think to a certain degree that formations are ephemeral in a sense because, yes, they might evolve over the years. However, at some point, we did see um, teams in, in the 70s adopting yeah. a formation that you see being used in this modern-day setup. However, sure. there are certain things and certain nuances which are tweaked, and um, there are certain positions which have been refined over the years Definitely. by virtue of um, tactical aspects, technical mm. aspects as mm. well, mm -hmm. and with regards to how a team would like to actually impose themselves on a specific game. Very true. I mean, um, if, if, you, if you look at the standard, and, and you, you spoke of Johan Cruyff, yeah. um, these roles were defined, you know? You get the full back, um, you had one center back, and the other one was a sweeper. But yeah. but nowadays we call it we call him the center back, yeah. and then you have the wing back, um, because the the two, the full back and the wing back would interchange and would go up in certain phases of the game. Um, and as the saying goes, there's nothing new under the sun. Mm -mm. So all these principles really are just a combination of different school of thoughts yeah. throughout the years, um, and and it's what it's 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 what um, builds then what we call modern football today. Right. You know? So, let's get into it, coach. Sure. Um, <laughs> we'll start with Copa America, right? So, the generic formation which is currently being used within the Copa America uh, tournament is uh, more or less a 4-2-3-1 or a 4-3-3. However, this is the standardized formation that they're using currently in that tournament. Mm -hmm. So I just want us to start at the back and then work our way up and just speaking through the different um, positions within this formation with regards to the roles of each player within the 4-2-3-1 system. Sure. Yeah. Sure. So we can start, um, let's say, um, with the 4-2-3-1, we're a ball-playing side. So let's start with the... Uh, the qualities that a goalkeeper must have and their responsibilities within a 4-2-3-1 setup. Sure, I mean, the goalkeeper should have a good reading of the game, yeah. um, be able to organize his, his defense, uh, be very good on the ball technically uh, in terms of receiving, playing passes out wide, um, a good range of passing. And when we speak of a, a good range of passing, and I know a lot of people when they think of a goalkeeper is the guy who kicks the ball up front. Yeah. Um, and, and that's not really a pass. When we speak of good range of passing, can he play a pass to the zone here, to the wing back, with 100% accuracy? Yeah. And a pass, not, not just a lob ball, but a good pass over here. So that's a good range of pass. That's what we call a good range of passing. Yeah. Um, so goalkeeper needs to have those, those, uh, uh, those capabilities. Skill, not so much, depending on, depending on how the team wants to play, yeah. uh, how deep the centre-backs want to start, how, how deep does the, the team want to start their build-up? Yeah. Because you'd find that our keeper becomes the plus one in this formation. Yeah. Um, where if we're under pressure, we are always going to give him the ball because we know what he's, he's capable yeah, yeah, to yeah. do. He will help us play out um, of, of, of the press. So a goalkeeper needs to be very good on the ball, very comfortable on the, on the ball. And there are many keepers that you could um, mention. You look at uh, Manuel Noah, for example. Yeah. For me, he's one of the best keepers on the ball. Yeah. His reading of the game is, is impeccable. And he's, he's able to start attacks mm. from the back. So, so that's the type of keeper that you need in that, in in that, that position. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that you mentioned Emmanuel Neuer because um, a name that came to mind is Edison, 
who is mm. currently um, representing Brazil within the Copa America. Yeah. And I love how his game has evolved over the years. And we've seen Edison season in, season out. He's picking up the assists. He's picking up the second assist. Exactly. And uh, his countrymate, who he actually shares the position with, Alisson, sure. we saw he was even able to grab a goal at the other end of the pitch. Those are two, pass. Yeah, those are two goalkeepers who are well-versed and could play in um, a ball-playing 4-2-3-1 system. Yeah. They're very comfortable on the yeah. ball and they know how to play from the back. Yes. So let's get into it. Generally speaking, when we're looking at this formation, and let's say the keeper's on the ball, sure. the movement, generally speaking, we do know that the two centre-backs would be looking to open up wide. Take it from there. Yeah, so the reason why we want to open that, those spaces up is because when you have a, a, a team that's pressing with two, for example, yeah. um, and let's say, let's say the team is playing with a 4-4-2 formation, yeah. what that does is when you start... When you start the attack, yeah, there's and we call it spatial intelligence. Yeah, right. Of course, they will start to press once the ball is played to to the right centre back or the left centre back. But of course, because there's there's people in the midfield, they have to make bucket runs or what we call cover shadow runs. Yeah, and that is to press while covering the space in behind. Um, and this is of course done so simultaneously and seamlessly that you will not be able to. To actually figure out what they're trying to do, because yeah. what once that if he goes and he stays, it opens up that space in the mm-hmm. middle, and that's why they're so wide. Is because they need to decide when we press, how are we pressing? Yeah. Are you going first? Which side are we going to? Hence, why there's triggers. Exactly. Yeah, pressing triggers. Exactly. So there's a very good formation in build up because you have an advantage there. It's a three v two. Yeah. Um, and so you have very good stability in terms of creating a numerical superiority yeah. in, in your build-up zone. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you, you play it there, you, make, you invite the press, you invite the press, and when you have a good centre-back, you could either carry the ball through and give a pass to whoever is receiving in the middle, yeah. play it down the line, or play it back to the keeper. If and they, then if they close yeah, the we look to play out on the other side. Exactly, so, and then we reset. So our yeah. keeper is always our reset button. Yeah, which then gives a numerical advantage when you're looking at this because you're looking at a 3v2, situation where they're able to rotate the ball from left to right Mm. so Mm. we touched on the wing backs they would normally stay high now let's get into midfield when say for example we do have um sorry the two center backs who have opened up the ball is at the center back now it's time to engage the midfield where do they then come in with regards to collecting the ball from a pass that would come from a center back sure so we said that the team generally would be playing a four four two, right? Yeah. So I'll presume that playing in a four four two, you wanna cover those two guys there. Yeah. All right, because if they get through the press, then they're playing into the mid section of our midfield. By the way, the field is separated into three sections. Yeah. Which is our, our build up phase, our consolidation phase, and then our incision phase. Yeah. So when they're getting into the second phase of 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 the attack, um, you want your players to place themselves behind and create depth because when they receive the passes they're going to receive the passes in the in the blind side of the attackers yeah. because if you if you're there it's too obvious yeah it's yeah, just yeah, too yeah. obvious yeah, yeah, yeah you know you're going to get the ball and it also then becomes um you're actually closing up your space and your options because if that ball for example let's say he pops up into that space and he comes that ball is played into there there's not many options exactly you know it's exactly. he's going back or he's 
going back to the goalkeeper, sure, which sure. then becomes counterproductive as to why we had him come into the hole. So with regards to that, it, is, it does then become about um, the intelligence of the midfielders then being able to find the right pockets of space to collect the ball. Very true. And remember, with, with the two midfield, these are two defensive midf- midfielders, yeah. and that's how a 4-2-3-1 um, sort of sets up. Yeah. Um, but one of them would be a more attacking midfielder. So yeah. they would mostly line up in a staggered position. And what we mean by that is that one would slightly drop and one would go, yeah, right. And obviously, that would force that would force him to to sort of stay tight on him. But if he if he if if he goes, he drops. So yeah. and those are things that you do at training where you have to disguise the move. Yeah, you, know? you can't always you can't always it's an obvious pass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. They're just gonna press press that way. Um, I've seen most certain teams in mo- in, in most teams. If these guys stay here, then we invert we invert. The two yeah. wing backs, yeah, yeah, uh, and that's where inversion comes in mm. because you want the two guys, your two number eight, to stay up to create the depth. You have then your wingers who stay as wide as possible mm. to create the width, and then you have the inverted fullbacks who most of the time won't be tracked because remember, for the guy who's playing wing wing here, yeah, if he goes here, he creates that space, yeah, for for the other winger. So he doesn't usually they don't follow the mm. the wing backs when they invert. So, let's then introduce the other winger for the red team. Sure. So, I like the fact that you touched on the inverted fullbacks. And that's something that Pep is using a lot within his system. Mm -hmm. And uh, I say that because Pep, generically speaking, Pep goes with the back four. And what he's then trying to do is, he's always trying to keep the width with with the wingers. You know, and when you keep... That with and you've got your wingers up there and your fullbacks have come in. It then poses um, a question to this guy. You know, sure. do I then go or do I maintain? You know, and exactly. if he stays, he He's can collect and then replay. Exactly. You know, and also with this, I've I've also come to notice that the balance of it that with Pep, you'd have one fullback. Staying out wide, sure. and then one would one come in, at a time, yeah. and then one inverts at a time, which exactly. then also creates a numerical advantage. And another thing that um, I want to get into is sure. going further up the pitch now, when we go back to our generic 4 2 3 1, with regards to the wingers, yes. right? Because we've come to know that in modern day football, the wing backs tend to push a lot higher. Yes, of course, especially in this formation. Yeah, they yeah. tend to push a lot higher. Sure. And then you're looking at the wingers. Nowadays, they're called as uh, inside forwards, yeah. inverted wingers, yeah. you know, be it what it may. They then are looking to take up those positions exactly. a lot closer in the, in the inner channels. True, yeah. true. So when you look at Brazil, for example, um, Neymar would be playing as the number 10. Yeah. You have uh, Fabinho and, and Fred in the yeah. middle. And then you'd get Gabriel Jesus, I see he's playing on the right. And then you'd have Everton um, yeah. on the left. So they would come in. They have a relationship with their wingbacks. Yeah. So at a, at a certain time, if he's playing slightly inside, underlapping, at the right time he would go in and he'd go out. Yeah. So, so that's the relationship between the fullback um, and, and the winger. Um, what it also does is that in our race defense, it's a very, as you can see, it's a very narrowed, Narrowed play. Yeah. Um, 
and it's very good in terms of counter attack. Yeah. Um, because what it does is, is it has what we call a diamond pressing, and this this depends if in a team where there's it's a high press or a mid block uh, a mid block press. Yeah. But if it's a high press, that diamond there is very important because what we're trying to do, we are showing the opposition team where to play. Yeah. Where's the space? The space is on the sides, and that's where we want them to go. And we use this line as our extra defender because once the ball goes to the side. The only direction that he they could play the ball is back inside. Back inside, yeah, yeah. Because we have our full back there. Once the ball is played here, so let's say the other team is building up. Yeah, now we start to add the other sure. players. So he plays the ball here. The striker then starts to press to close to close that space there. The midfielder closes there. Number 10 closes there. So then it becomes a cage because the only way they need to go yeah. is that way. Back inside. Yeah, and he has to have the quality. He must be quality for him to play a pass over. Yeah. And it's very dangerous to play a pass over Cross because you goal. have this guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. You have this guy now who's, who's antici- uh, anticipating that pass. Yeah. So that's, that's the benefit of, of them playing narrow because in the counter-attack, um, it actually becomes a 4-3-3 in a counter-attack. Yeah. Um, and we're going to show that now because it's a 4-2-3-1. Mm. On a counter-attack, you have your wingers then that could go like that. You have depth. And then you have the two full-backs will high up. Like, of course, then that's our 4-3-3 four, four, yeah. Three, three yeah. in, in attack. In attack. So it's a very versatile system to, to, to apply, really. And I've seen Brazil do this. Very well with Neymar, yeah, uh, coming into the dropping into the pockets, um, sometimes on the wide side, and the the point here is to try get into these zones here, yeah, these zones here, the scoring zone for, for zone fourteen, which is the zone where most of the goals <laughs> are scored. Are scored yeah, from. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, actually, I think people, maybe a lot of people don't know this. I remember there's a, there was a Sopian SMB a program zone, zone, 14. zone fourteen, yeah, yeah, and it was because so, of that. So for the people out there, yeah. this is zone fourteen over here. So for those who didn't know, that's zone fourteen. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, so that we want to get into that space, we want to get into that sit zones, which is just besides the the goalpost there. Yeah. And and and, and that's why. It's such an effective system to play. It has its disadvantages, mm. but in terms of going forward, it's a really good system to play. Yeah. So, with regards, you mentioned disadvantages, né? and um, I just want to look at it. And sometimes, um, the disadvantages when it comes to the four-two-three-one is that in the midfield, right? Sure. You don't always... Because a lot of coaches tend to go with two defensive-minded Midfielders, yes, and then we then see the the struggle of the ball transitioning from these midfielders deep into the number ten. Sure, and that's why then you'll find the number ten having to drop a lot yes, deeper yes, to come of collect, course, of course, which then becomes counterintuitive to what we're trying to do with regards to stretching the pitch. And sure. then the wingers start dropping, mm. and the striker also comes mm. in, and then we become compact. When we've got the ball, whereas we all know that the general principle that Johan Crave came up with is that when we have the ball, we stretch the field as wide sure, as possible. Sure. And that's one of my biggest qualms when it comes to the 4-2-3-1 is yeah. how sometimes there is no link between that. And a team that we had actually mentioned off-air was Portugal. Sure. You know, how they yes. persist with playing with two defensive-minded midfielders, yeah, midfielders yeah. you know, as opposed to having maybe... If, fine, you go with your 4-2-3-1, yeah. you've got your one defensive-minded midfielder, sure. and then that one is a box-to-box, a player who can do a bit of both, where yeah. you're looking at a Jude Billingham type of player. Exactly. Look, and, and this is the importance of pre-match analysis yeah. um, and the team you're playing against. 
because that's where the decision making comes in yeah. of whether do you play two defensive midfielders or do you play one attacking and one one defensive. Yeah. In this system, however, what justifies playing two defensive midfielders is because most of the time you'd find the wing backs mm-hmm. in the zones here in attack. Um, and in our rest defense, in our rest defense, the most important thing is who will cover these spaces here, the zones here, because mm-hmm. that's that's the disadvantage of the system. It's leaving space yeah. on both flanks. Because most of the time, teams that play the system attack with both flanks at the same time yeah. to give them that width, um, so that they could have their insides both both the, their wingers playing inside. Yeah. So these guys would need to then play cover work in terms of coming. Across, to, yeah. to then uh, cover for him and then he would then come shift across. into the midfield yeah. of course. so that's how it's justified in the system in the sense but yeah. uh, in terms of a coach and your own team you have to look at who you're playing against mm. um, and, and your opponent then determines um, who you should play either mm. one defensive or one attacking so I, I feel that the Portugal coach yeah, I think he missed it on the first game if you watch the first game yeah. um, he then made the change in the 75th minute which actually changed everything. You had yeah. Sanchez then going in behind. And Rafa um, Silva as well came into the system. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So earlier on, you mentioned dynamic formations, which is the next segment. Sure. The next segment is um, Euro 2020. The formation that we've grown accustomed to at Euro 2020 and in the world in general has become the 343 system. Sure. So I want us to. Have a look at the three four three system, and um, with regards to how it's becoming such a, a commonly used formation and why teams are using it, what do you think is the reason why teams have? Um, I'm gonna say revert back because at some point in history, like we had mentioned earlier on during the episode, uh, the Dutch used the three four three, and um, I mean they almost master the world of football using this formation. Yeah. Why do you think teams have gone back to this, however, modernized it? Because there are certain nuances within this formation which have been tweaked. Sure, most definitely. So, yeah. the three four three, if maybe we look at it from, from a German pers- perspective, uh, is that it gives you the ability for positional play. So, yeah. teams that like to keep uh, possession. And how it does that is because there's a lot of triangulation mm. um, in, in between. So a lot of triangles, you always have two options when you get on the ball. Um, and that's what makes it a very uh, dangerous system to, to, to play. Also, one thing is that it dominates the pitch. So you have players on every horizontal and vertical zones um, of the field. Yeah. Uh, and when you are a team that keeps possession, you need to dominate the pitch really well. You need yeah. to, the, distant, the, dis- the distances between the players need to be very well calculated. Um, and, and it just gives you also that extra man who is able to play, play passes throughout uh, you know, the, the, the field. So, for yeah. example, um, in Barcelona, Pep Guardiola used to play this role. Uh, but actually, Ronald Koeman was, was yeah, behind yeah, yeah. Pep um, at the time. So these, these two players were sort of interchanging playing as a, a libero as well. So yeah. they, were, they were tasked with playing those passes there. Of course, at that time, Johan Cruyff... You know, with, with how intelligent he was, he was playing a three four three diamond, which is yeah. quite different from, from what we see to to today. So yeah, it, it gives you a balance in your build up, it gives you a balance yeah. in midfield and also in, in, in attack as well. Yeah, and it's got so so many outlets. And 
What what I like about the three four three system is how balanced and well structured it is. Sure. And um, you mentioned um, the horizontal and the vertical zones. What I like about it is from a defensive perspective and from an offensive perspective, mm. you're well covered when it comes to these specific zones. Definitely. However, one con I want to look at, which we often see many a times, is when you do have the three now at the back, is that if you've got the two centre-backs playing either of the centre-back, which is tossed as normally known as the ball-playing centre-back, yes. These centre-backs, in this case, are often stretched out into this zone. And we all know in football that you never want your centre-back in a full-back position, especially sure. when they have to defend. Sure. You know? So that's one of the cons that I've come to find. And also, when that happens, it becomes then a lot easier for the opposition to then start to stretch them. You know? And that's why then it goes back to um, uh, the, the discipline with regards to the tactical organization. But that's something that I've come to know with the 343, that these guys end up getting stretched out far. Sure. What, what's your take on that? Sure. Yeah, well, that's the thing about, about the 343. So it will always have an ad a disadvantage because of the spaces, uh, but also depending on the coach. Yeah. But that's why the 343 the has very good rest defense, mm -hmm. very good rest defense system. I think you've seen with Chelsea... And how they played in the final, they had a three-two. Um, they had a three-two in build-up. Yeah, and it also gives you the then the versatility to play a two-three in build-up. Yeah. So that's the advantage. Very good rest event. So when we lose the ball, we always have a man that's 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 covering the important zones of the field, which is our middle section. Yeah. Um, and that's the most important part about the system. Very good rest events from the attack all the way. Um, here in the zone here, and yeah. and one thing that is very important about the three four three in, in build up, um, is that it gives you a guaranteed advantage, because teams that play a three four three want to be very comfortable in build up. Yeah. Um, it's sort of like your romantic type football. Yeah. You know, you want Purist. to exactly. Yeah. You want to keep the ball with patience, rotate it as much as you can, and the keeper becomes a ball player in in this team as well. So you become you you have a four V2, yeah. um, if, if the team that you're playing against is playing with the two or pressing with the three. So it's versatile in, in, in that way that you maintain an advantage in the build-up phase yeah. um, you know, of, 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 of your game. Mm. So from a defensive perspective, we've sure. spoken about how um, in possession, from a defensive perspective, in their own defensive half, how we bring out the ball. However, without the ball and when having to defend, what I really like about this system is when you've got three natural centre-backs sure. to deal with any crosses that come, you know? Mm. And mm. normally when you have two centre-backs, the general consensus is that if your two centre-backs are beaten, you know, in the, that's it. That's you it. know, whereas when you've got the third centre-back, he offers that cover, A. Exactly. B, what I like about it defensively um, as well, if... You get it right, mm. you know, mm. um, because I don't want people to say, oh, he's contradicting himself because he said the spaces <laughs> open up. Yes, sure. the spaces do open up. And yes, we have to acknowledge that there's two sides of the coin to every formation. Exactly. There's advantages, there's disadvantages. Sure. The advantages of the 343 when you get it right, what I like about it is how compact it becomes and how, you know, there's, it becomes very difficult for the opposition 
to play when you get it right and when you compact, right? Most and definitely. you look at then the spaces in between the center backs, you look at the spaces in between the midfielders, and then you look at the, the, the wing backs as well. And what I like about it is that it's so versatile because if you're under pressure, you could always tuck the wing backs in and it goes to a five. Exactly. Yes. You know? Yes. And that's what I really like about yes. it. And on the flip side, now with possession of the ball, you can be so compact, but yet also have so much width. Versatility, exactly. Yeah, um, yeah it also depends on, on the team and the personnel that you have. Yeah. Um, that player there could be a defensive player, doesn't have to be a defensive player. Um, in a sense that you could, you could either turn a defensive player into a midfielder yeah. or a midfielder into a defensive player. Yeah. And what you want is having a midfielder as a defensive player because you want that player to be very creative. Mm. So that's your Joshua... Uh, Kimmich. Exactly. Yeah. You need him there. Um, so what, what then happens is that for you to have a balance, and, and let's say you're caught out yeah. in some instances of the game, he's then able to press the space mm. in midfield. Um, usually the, the, the defensive formations that I've seen that work really well for, for uh, a, a 3-4-3 would be that libero going in, the two coming back, yeah. the two wing backs coming back, they will keep their position centrally and the two wingers coming back here in what we call a 4-1-4-1. Yeah. Then it gives you really a, a good balance when you, when you then go out and attack. Yeah. Then you, you have that. You have that. And, mm. and so it, 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 it's really dynamic in terms of um, you going from a small low block being compact yeah. and going out on the attack quickly. So yeah. I, I, I like how the versatility that I've seen, and this varies from coach to coach, mm -hmm. um, you can use the system anyhow, depending on the personnel that you have. Yeah. So if you look at Germany, for example, they, they have, uh, is it Hummels there? Um, and they, he's playing there with yeah. it's, uh, Matt Gossens and it's, Gunter. It's Ginter, it's yes. Rudiger. Rudiger. And Hummels, Hummels as the like, ball playing in the in the center of the three. Yes, and then it's Ginter. Yes, and you would see very awkward the way Germany plays, yeah. and and very interesting because he's playing uh, Kimmich as a as a wing back. Yeah, and what a lot of, a lot of times people don't see this, he would come into midfield because he's a midfielder. Yeah, actually he's a midfielder. So you would have one attacking, one number eight would go there, Kimmich would come there, and Ginter would overlap. Yeah. And, and if you look at the second goal they scored against, against Portugal, Ginter was the one who put the ball in there. Yeah. Um, so you had then have Kimmich covering that space. So really interesting to see yeah, it's, it's in a, terms it's, of how it, flexible yeah, this is. Very, very flexible. Very flexible. So let's head off to the extra time segment where we conclude the episode. And uh, this is my favorite part, Coach sure. Nivol, because um, you and I then get to pick our combined best 11 from Euro 2020 and Copper America, mm. right? Mm. In a 3-4-3 formation. And I must say that this has to be objective. Mm. So it's the players who are currently on form and the players who are doing well, as opposed to your favorite who's having a bad tournament. Sure. So we can't, sure. pick, we can't pick our favorite players who are struggling. We have to pick more or less the guys who are the ones who are currently performing within this tournament. So... Coach Dubua, I'll allow you to open up proceedings. I want you then to put together your combined 11 of the best of Euro 2020, the players you've seen at the Euro 2020, and Copper America as well. 
Um, yeah, very interesting. Of course, I'd go with um, three four three. Yeah. Um, I would have Thiago Silva. Yeah. I would have Kimmich. Yeah. Playing as a libero. Mm-hmm. I'll then have David Alaba on the left. Yeah. And what I like about Alaba is that he could play as a centre back. He could play as a wing back. Um, so he can give us that that stretch as well. Yeah. The left wing back, I'd go with Jody Elba. Sorry, who Manuel was in Noya. your goals? Manuel Noya. Manuel Noya. Yeah, I mean, I thought that was a given. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd go with Manuel Noya yeah. on, on, on the left. Yeah. Um, I'd then go with Adama Traore on the right. Mm-hmm. Um, and my two midfielders would be Pogba and, and De Bruyne. Yeah. Um, my two number 10s who are coming inside would mm-hmm. be Gnabry uh, as well as Neymar. Okay. And then go with Lukaku up front. Oh, interesting, interesting. So... Some of my players are very similar to yours. Sure. You know, and um, yeah. So in goals, I have to have Edison. I think he's the best ball-playing goalkeeper in the world. Sure. I know there's Manuel Neuer, there's Allison, <laughs> but oh, Edison, guys. Yeah, yeah. Wow, wow, wow. What a beautiful ball-playing goalkeeper. Sure. Right? So I've got Edison in goals. And then my back three. So I'll start on the left-hand side. Here, I've got um, David Alaba. Sure. Very comfortable. Very, very comfortable on the ball. Sure. I like his versatility. Mm. And um, what I like about him, he's one of those defenders who are playmakers, you know. Exactly. They, a deep lane playmaker, exactly. right? Yeah. And then, uh, on the right, I have to go with Marquinhos. Sure. Who I think has had... Um, yeah, he's had a fantastic season with PSG and he's currently doing well at the Copa America. Mm. Growing in stature as well. Mm. He's a big game player. Sure. My centre-back in the middle of the three has to be Leonardo Benucci. Plays for Italy. Interesting. Yeah, I think uh, Italy are doing really well. And what I love about Benucci, sure. you know, I'll, he's very underrated when it comes to his uh, passing game. A lot of people laud him for his defensive acumen, true, true. which we all do when it comes to the Italians. Yeah. You know, yeah. but the passing and how Benucci is able to very break good lines. Reading of the game as well. Exactly, you know, game, yeah. and how he's able to break the lines. Very impressive sure. for me, right? Definitely. And then, going into the midfield, I have to have N'Golo Kante, and I've got De Bruyne. Mm-hmm. And then, as my right wing back, you know, now, I prefer this man, Joshua Kimmich, in the midfield. However, during the Euro 2020, he has been playing as, as a wing back. Yeah. And you did sure. mention the versatility of this formation that he could always come in, sure. you know. Sure. And then when you do have a versatile player like Marquinhos, mm-hmm. who we've seen at PSG play in midfield, he's also got the legs to sort of then go... For, for Kimmich. Exactly. Yeah. So I would have Joshua Kimmich as um, the right wing back. My left wing back definitely has to be Renan Lodi who's a player who's growing in stature. He's done really well for Atletico Madrid. Yeah. He, yeah. Um, he won the league title as well in La Liga. And uh, I've been very impressed with his delivery in sure. the Copa America and sure. how he's doing. And then my two number 10s, right? My inside forwards, um, what I love about this is that they inverted sure. by virtue of the fact that um, on this side, on the left, I'll have Neymar. Mm-hmm. Who's always coming in on his strong foot, on his right foot. Yeah. On the right hand side, I'd have Lionel Messi, who's coming on to his strong foot, coming mm-hmm. on to the left. Mm-hmm. They both love to occupy those inverted channels. Sure, sure. And then up front, 
the Belgian god Romelu Lukaku. I <laughs> this I I have to have Lukaku. It, it, has, to, it has to be Lukaku. It has to be Lukaku. I think Lukaku, currently, yeah. yeah, you know, he's doing really, really Definitely. well. I'm sure people are, are, are like, why did you leave Lionel Messi out of out of your team? You yeah, know? why did you yeah. leave Messi out? And for for me, it's mostly the counter pressing, the counter pressing that I need in in my team. Yeah, and, and Messi doesn't is not a good. Um, counter presser when we're out of position. Yeah. Um, he's good when we're in position. Yeah. Um, and for me, I feel that most of the goals that we can score from the system could come from the counter pressing opportunities. Yeah. Um, when you have that speed and stealth, you know, in 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 pressing, I feel that's where you you get most of your goals. You know, uh, because in possession you might o- you you might always you might not always beat the low block. Yeah. You know, so counter pressing opportunities for me, I think, present the themselves factor. well. Yeah. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we've come to the very end of a special episode of Disky Talk with Liolo, Tactical Talk, Copa America versus Euro 2020. I thoroughly enjoyed this one. Coach Nuo, thank, thank you, you so much, much my brother, for coming through. Thank I thoroughly enjoyed me. this one. Always, always. Signing out. Perfect.